Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 10002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 10002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 10002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. Blog Talk Radio. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over nine years we've been asking the franchipreneurs alone one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with Christy Wilson-Delk, and after 17 years in corporate sales and distribution, Christy Wilson-Delk decided to risk it all, and in 1996, she sold her house and cashed out her 401k plan for the down payment of a $1.7 million SBA loan needed to buy a Kids Are Kids Academy franchise in Orlando, Florida. Now an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Rollins College and contributing writer, Christy has turned her focus to helping others realize greater professional rewards through growing a successful business, and that's coming right up on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Franchise Teacher. Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Meet the experts at Franchise Teacher. The goal of Franchise Teacher is to teach 
coach, consult, and advise. The team of experts at Franchise Teacher will evaluate your business model and present you with a winning business strategy. Franchise Teacher will help you decide whether or not your concept works and if it's franchisable. Franchise Teacher is proud to have over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Franchise Teacher are developers of over a dozen franchise systems, which include brick and mortar as well as home-based concepts of nearly 3,000 combined franchise locations. Whether you need to add more units or get more customers, Franchise Teacher can help. We will teach. Franchise Teacher will help you learn our proven system. Coach. Franchise Teacher will help you provide a game plan to succeed. Consult. Franchise Teacher will make sure you stay on track. And advise. Franchise Teacher will help you learn from our over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Take advantage of our free, no-obligation phone consultation. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over nine years we've been asking the entrepreneurs who own one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Christy Wilson-Delk, and after 17 years in corporate sales and distribution, Christy Wilson-Delk decided to risk it all, and in 1996, she sold her house and cashed out her 401k plan for the down payment on the $1.7 million SBA loan needed to buy a Kids Are Kids Academy franchise in Orlando, Florida. Over the next 15 years, she expanded twice and grew her business into one of the largest franchises in her industry before exiting successfully in 2012. Now an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Rollins College and contributing writer, Christy has turned her focus to helping others realize greater professional rewards through a successful business. And let's go right into our interview with Christy Wilson-Delk. So I think as you do, Christy, that people are curious about franchising. So maybe, um, you know, We'll, we'll start there. What drew you to franchising? Yeah, that's a great question, Marty. It, I came about franchising, I think, like many other people, mm-hmm. meaning that someone that I knew, someone that I trusted, told me about a specific franchise. You know, in my case, right. it was Kids Are Kids Academy. Yes. Yes. You know, more Which so is interesting. than... interesting, yeah. Go ahead. No, I think that's interesting. It was, it was a specific franchise, Christy, you know, and, and that's, you know, of course, 
you know, the story goes, and we'll talk about it, you know, that, that is the one that, that, that you went with, you know. Um, but it's interesting because there's so many opportunities out there today in franchising. I think it must be difficult for an aspiring, I guess you could say, franchipreneur to choose. You know, if you have like 3,000 different systems out there or 2,500 different systems, there's like 80 industries, it's like how do you know where to even begin? So um, I, I guess it was kind of good because your story worked out well and, and someone pointed you directly. Um, to a specific franchise, yeah. um, so I, I, yeah. I think that was fantastic. So yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting I, I really your story recent, on that. Pardon me. Oh, I said sorry for interrupting your story. I just sometimes I'll get a little excited, you know. I'll say you'll say that, and I say, oh, that that's 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 it. You yeah, know, and explain mm-hmm. that concept. No problem. Well, so I I have to say it, you know, it came, it came over time. So in other words, this trusted person who had no vested interest in me becoming a franchisee told me about the Kids Are Kids Academy, and right. I listened. But I had a job, you know, and I was very happily employed. Mm-hmm. Sorry about the beep, but um, okay. and there came a time over the next couple of years when I didn't have a job. I had gotten laid right. off, but there again, the timing was just not right for me, and I went on to have a a final corporate opportunity with a um, one of those oh gosh, what do you call them outplacement companies so sure. in that role as a outplacement counselor. I was in business development. I was able to talk to many people who were very similar to me, corporate background, et cetera, who were now displaced and mm-hmm. tell them, hey, guess what? This is an opportunity for you. Please view it that way. You can do whatever you want. You can realize some passion. You can go in a different direction, those kinds of things. And then it did happen one day. The light bulb finally went off, and it did it or turned on, and it happened because I had an article put right in front of me on an airplane, as a matter of fact, way right. back when, when you had magazines. It was an Inc. Yes. Magazine article about a, a Primrose franchisee, and I read mm-hmm. it and thought, oh, my gosh, that's me. So the dots were connected. And so I guess about being curious about franchising, I think people are generally curious. They're not quite sure how, you know, the whole thing works. You know, they might see something and say, I think that's a chain. I'm not sure if it's corporate. I'm not sure if it's a franchise. You know, we in the industry understand that distinction a little bit better. But I think just if there's a curiosity at all, anybody that's listening to just start asking questions. People love to share information in the field and, you know, on the front lines if you go into a business and wonder. They'll they'll tell you. They'll be they'll be proud. Yeah, and that's what I found too, Christy, is I think that people in franchising, they are, you know, very giving. I mean, there's a lot of great information out there, you know, and you know, I that's how I learned about you through the internet. You know, I saw a lot of your videos, you know, and I, I said, wow. I said, you know, I just, I loved your message. What what I loved most about your message was you said once in your seminars, you, you said, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And it was very sincere the way you said it. You, you basically, the way you said it was like, I'm an ordinary person. I think a lot of times people have this perception of entrepreneurship that they're, you know, these, these individuals that quit college or high school and they start a business in their garage and they have this, like, you know, God-given talent that they were just destined to be an entrepreneur. But, you know, I, I don't believe that to be true. I, I believe, it, you know, that anyone could be an entrepreneur 
you know, if they want to be, if they if they truly, you know, have that passion to be one, you know, if they follow um, a system or steps or strategies like it, like your presentations give, you know, you pretty much tell your audience what you did, you know, how you did mm-hmm. it, you know, you don't leave anything out, and 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 it's very sincere, <laughs> and and I like that message, you know, Thank you. That if I can do it, you can do it, you know. That's that's one of the things I really got, you know, that that, that sparked an interest in, in kind of following you, whether it was through Twitter or LinkedIn and all your videos. So I, I thought you did a great job with that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I know you and I have that common thread that we teach entrepreneurship and Yes. Which I think is so funny that we both do that and it's so exciting yeah. and who knew you could teach it. But the truth sure. is <laughs> There are parts of it that can be taught, no no question yeah. about it. And one of the biggest things, and you and I need to talk offline because I'm fascinated, um, you know, by this topic, is that there are a lot of myths surrounding entrepreneurs yeah. and successful oh, yeah. entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, Absolutely. and one of them is that you have to have all these superpowers. No, there are right. no superpowers. <laughs> right. You know, it's who you are, you know, what you have and who you know. And in the world of franchising, a whole bunch of those things are more or less kind of taken care of for you. Um, sure. You're, you're, you're signing on to a brand. Um, you're signing on to you have support systems in place. Mm-hmm. You're signing on to, you know, a lot of different things that you don't have to create. However, right. the part that I talk about and that I think not knowing really at the time, but looking back, separated me from other franchisees were things that I developed as part of my strategy from uh-huh. being in business, but also just being open, open to surprises sure. and listening um, are the things that I think help me grow my business. And those are things about being you know, creative, being uh, building layers of loyalty, making And I think this, if we could underline this, making sure that even though I owned a franchise, the community viewed it as I'm another small business person, small business owner here deserving of your loyalty and your business. So trying to separate, yeah, trying to separate without doing it in a, you know, obvious way or maybe very subtly creating, hey, I'm a small business owner in the community. I'm vested, not this is a chain, this is a corporate entity, blah, blah, blah. So, and I did that strategically with, you know, loyalty and being competitive and leadership and engagement, things like that. You were very competitive, too. I I noticed that in your presentations, too, Christy. You know, you talk about the importance of having that um, competitive spirit. I I mean, that's important in entrepreneurship, isn't it? Whether you're in franchising or your own business or or whatever it may be. But I think that that competitiveness um, certainly helps, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it helps. And for the listeners, if you don't think you're competitive, it's a strange question and it's a strange thought. Mm -hmm. And I guess the better way to say it is, you know, if somebody asks you, are you competitive, and you're kind of a little uncomfortable by that, you're normal. It's, yeah, because there are parts in my life that I am not competitive whatsoever. But when it comes to your business and you have skin in the game and a future to build and so forth, you need to start thinking 
about how you can be competitive. And kind of like what we just talked about, being an entrepreneur, you know, you don't have to be, there's no superhero powers involved. It, it's very right. strategic. Yeah. And, and so being competitive in business is very different than being competitive on the tennis court or other areas. Sure. And so people can develop that. Yeah. But you right. need to be, if you want to be relevant and successful, when I say that, I mean, you know, make more money long term. You, you do have to be competitive. So you can develop it for sure. And when those competitors start opening up around you, you know, maybe you started off first on the block and you had the best location, they will come. And so then you have to get serious about being competitive. I think that's well said. I know I'm all over this place with this interview, but, you know, when I was watching your video, so many things stood out. You know, one example that really made um, an impression, Christy, was um, someone came into your office, I think it was on a Friday maybe, and they said that they were going they were quitting, you know, they didn't really give you much notice, you know, and it was the yeah. bus driver. And it just made such an impression that you, here you are, you're, you're, you're the CEO of the organization, the franchise, you know, and you said, okay, I'm going to go out and <laughs> drive the bus myself. I'm going to go get a CDL. And you did that all in the same day. And, and, and I think it's kind of like what separates the difference sometimes maybe from someone like yourself. Anybody could do that, right? They could say, okay, well, mm -hmm. I'm going to solve this problem. Instead of panicking saying, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Uh, you you came up with a solution to the problem. You said, well, I'll do it, you know, and you had no ego about it saying, you know, well, I'm not going to drive a bus. I'm a president of a company, you know, and it's just there, there's so many things that I, I learned from watching your videos that that I thought really Aww. made um, quite an impression, you know, is is that anyone can do that, but you have to have that, I guess that persistence is is, 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 is what we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah, it is, and, and I think as a franchise owner, I think sometimes because you're sort of instant business owner, I don't know if I've ever actually said this out loud before, but it's pretty easy to fall into that kind of diva, we'd say as a female, mm -hmm. kind of diva yes. mentality. Sure. Oh, now I'm the owner, but you can't do that. And I do think I had good people who I asked. You know, I try to ask a lot of questions or at least listen well, told me, don't be a diva, not in those words. But one of the first ones was Janice Vinson. And Janice Vinson is the, I think she's actually the president, and her husband, Pat, is vice president of Kids or Kids Academy. And in our franchise training, she said, and they're very, very Southern, she said, now I'm going to tell you that if the toilets need scrubbing and that toilet in the main lobby is dirty, then you're going to sometimes be the one that has to go and clean that toilet. She said, I sometimes clean the toilets here. And so, of course, you're thinking, really, clean the toilet? I don't even clean my toilet sure. at my house. But that made an impression. And another person, and franchisees also sometimes think, or potential franchisees, that everything that you learn is going to come from the industry. And that's not true either. But right. I hadn't thought about this in a long time. But my divorce yeah. attorney, I was going through a divorce just about mm -hmm. that same time, told me, and wow. she was a successful family law attorney, she told me, because I asked her, you know, gosh, what's your secret? You know, is there any advice you could give me? And she said, right. your staff will work as hard as you do. So show them how hard you work and how passionate you are about your business. And don't be, don't hesitate to do anything if it needs to be done. So those two things at that time had really stuck with me. And right. honest to God, Marty, on that day, 
it was just, there was just no question in my mind that it was Friday afternoon. And if I didn't get started on this, I'm sure I could make phone calls along the way. Sure. Maybe I'd get lucky. But at the very least, I could start the process of getting my CDL. It was on my list, but it wasn't on the list at the top, that's for sure. At the time. So, yeah. At, so, anyway, it's it a great story. Stressful. Yeah. It's- that's a story I want to share with my students too, Christy. You know, is is you know because I I think that's important. You know, is is that you know and, and the other yeah. examples you gave too. You know, with cleaning the lobby or the bathrooms or, or whatever it may be. We um we started the show ten years ago. One of the themes was that you know we felt like that everyone has a story. You know, when, when you buy a franchise. And when I read about yours. It really, you know, it, it made quite an impression because here you are, you were a single mom. You, you sold your house. You cashed in your 401K. I mean, you, you, you put it all down on a loan. It was for over a million and a half dollars. And, you know, a lot of people would have said to you, Christy, I mean, what were you thinking at the time? I mean, that was very risky, wasn't it? You know, I mean, and, and how were you able to sleep at night? I, I said, God, that's that's a story right there. It took some guts, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, you know, I look back and think, yeah, it did. It took a lot of gut. However, at the time, it was definitely the right timing. And you and I, as professors of entrepreneurship, know timing is super critical. And yes. for me at that time, and I think anybody that is in the middle of starting their family, who's had some disappointments in the corporate environment, who sees maybe their friends starting to separate from the pack and start, you know, start making some real money, you know, the time was right. And I, you know, getting back to sort of that, you know, it doesn't take a superhero to start a business. I knew I had the skills and I knew I had the motivation and I knew I could work hard enough. And I hate to use a cliche, but sometimes you have to, you know, I had done my homework. Now, I didn't explore a ton of different franchises, which Mm -hmm. I don't recommend. I think people should do a lot of work that way. But I just knew that the homework I had done with the franchisor, um, with the numbers, I built this tremendous, you know, business plan. And what really, you know, for me, you know, I could, at that point, I could care less if it impressed anybody. But that number down at the bottom right-hand corner was the number that, made me a believer that I could make some serious money. And I knew, you know, and that's, you know, in the eye of the beholder, but for me, definitely serious money. And I knew that that was my shot. So it did not feel like a risk. So that's my answer. It's it's a great response because, you know, we've, we've you know, in, in doing so many of these podcasts, Christy, you know, I can't tell you how often we've heard, like a lot of times it's like to go with that feeling in your gut. You know, and you kind of just knew it. And yes, you probably could have researched, um, you know, a dozen other opportunities or industries that were out there. But it sounds like you may have probably ended up in the same place. And you said that the timing was very critical, too, wasn't it? You know, I mean, if you didn't take advantage of it at that time, chances are probably somebody else would have, you know, and you would have had regrets, probably, I imagine. You're absolutely right about that. And in in one of those articles, I talk about timing, and it's not just personal. It's there's a macro factor, of course, and there's also a local market factor. And right. I, well, this is interesting. I'll just throw it out there because I know some people will relate to it. I live 
here in the hometown I grew up in. It happens to be Orlando, Florida, and specifically Winter Park, Florida. But most people know the Orlando story, the growth and the tremendous opportunities and so forth over the last probably 30, 40 years. But many, many, many people came to this town and made a lot of money in the real estate market. And as a homegrown gal, I knew that in this particular local market with this particular franchise choice that I had made at that point, that those first two timing issues, you know, were green light. Yes, this is the time now. And the third thing, the personal part that kind of goes along with that is I recommend to people that they look carefully at the industry and try to find something that is um, somewhat recession-proof because you're going to have, as we all know, lots and lots of business downturns. It's just more common now than ever. And so you want something that's not a leading, you know, indicator of a downturn. But And I felt like, let's call it early childhood education, but let's just call it child care, was one of those. People need daycare. Whether they don't have a job, they'll need it to look for a job and so on. So think about that when they're looking at timing. It might be at the peak right now, but it won't stay there right. through no fault of theirs. Sure, of course. Yeah, I like how you use the word recession-proof because that's, you know, and, and every, every so often when I do these interviews too, Christy, you know, it's the, 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 always the hot question is, you know, what industries to look towards, you know, and, and children's services is usually like the one that, that usually first stops out, pops out, you know, as I'll say children's services or the senior care industry or pet care industry, mm-hmm. things of that nature, you know, but, you know, those are, I mean, those industries are amazing, aren't they, you know, so the industry is critical, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're, you um, have to have, go ahead. Oh, you know, I, I was going to say, you, I mean, you, you became very, very successful in franchising, and I think a lot of people probably say to you, Christy, you know, they, they, they say, okay, what's your secret? And it's not really a secret because you share everything that you know with your audience, you know, which I, I think is so wonderful. You know, you don't leave anything out, you know. So, But if someone were to ask you, you know, they said, oh, Christy, what was your <laughs> secret? You know, why were you so successful in franchising? How do you, how do you typically respond to the question? Well, thank you for asking. I, you know, I, I reflected on it a lot after I sold and and have probably three or four kind of pillars. However, when I was in the thick of it, I knew that I had to run my business with an eye to continually building revenue, growing revenue, not just building, but growing it year after year and paying attention to a few key areas. And so I developed a system for doing that. And I sort of, you know, jokingly say it was the way that I, you know, retained or maintained my sanity because business ownership gets a little crazy. And we know that. (laughs) And if you are going around like a crazy person or, you know, your ADD is coming through (laughs) and you're just whacking moles, then people don't like that. Clients don't like that. Your staff doesn't like that. Your family doesn't like that. Your friends don't like that. Nobody likes that. And I didn't like that. So I developed a system for addressing a few key areas. And I 
evaluated the, those, I'm going to call them systems now, on a regular basis. And in my case, because it was a big facility that included, this isn't one of the pillars, but it is part of a system, you know, I hired a full-time facilities maintenance person, which in mm-hmm. my field, nobody did that. In my franchise, right. nobody did that. So, you know, there's some synergies there for your listeners, which is even if you own a franchise, you can do things, I hope, with your franchisor's blessing if you need it, that better your business because you're making it your own, but it doesn't have to be something that you read in the manual. So right, if you need right. help, you know, do it. I didn't have a partner or spouse to make sure the air filters got changed, to make sure, you know, the right. carpets were bought cleaned every six months, whatever your case is. So I did that. But so the systems had to do with evaluating the competition on a regular basis. So, you know, in my talk or in my list of things is maintain a true competitive advantage. So that's number one. You know, number two would be build layers of loyalty. And that's, that's huge. It may even be the biggest. I don't, I yeah. I I can't say, but so the layers have to do with your clients. Mm-hmm. Even your former clients can still refer business. Your That's staff, right. your community, and last but not least, your franchisor, because they can give you opportunities that you might not get if you don't have a strong bond with them. So, so layers of loyalty with those different areas, and there may be more depending on what you're doing, other areas. So those four, that's really, really key. And then the last most important one is, um, you know, on leadership. And it's not the sort of traditional leadership stuff, which we see all over the place, which sometimes is really, really helpful. But leadership, because you're just one person, what kind of a leader do you need to be this year? So... All three of those things, Marty, have to do with this year. <laughs> you heard me slap right. my thigh there. I'm slapping my thigh because that's important. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because of course. you definitely plan long-term, yes. But if you, as one person growing one business, don't stay super focused and super strategic about your coming year this year, hopefully it's November and you're thinking about you know, this cup coming year, but it's never too late, then you're going to lose ground that year. So I stayed really super focused on the here and now strategically so that I wouldn't have to reinvent and drive people crazy while I'm doing it. But those four, not but, and those four areas were really the drivers that I used. That's fantastic. And, you know, you were a franchisee for, for a long time, Christy. I mean, I would say, you know, certainly longer than average, you know, because I have been studying franchising for a long time. I mean, you did, it was 15 years, wasn't it? I mean, um, did you know in the beginning that, you know, when you started this whole thing, that, you know, 15 years later, you know, before you, you sold the business, that, that, that you would be doing it for so long? Well, you know, it's so funny because most franchisees, and probably a whole bunch of your listeners don't have this great perspective that you and I now have. Mm-hmm. And of course, we are both still learning every day. But right. I had no clue going into it that there was kind of an average lifespan 
of a franchisee, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but my understanding is that it's around the seven or eight year mark. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, is that what you? Is that what you think? I would say so, yeah. From my experience, I studied it for my dissertation, but that seems about right. Though. I would definitely say it's definitely within that area of that, like, you know, seven, eight-year mark was, would definitely be reasonable, yeah. So yeah. when I saw you at 15 years, I said, wow, it's pretty much almost like double, I think, of what the typical franchisee, you know, has their business yeah. for. So I, I thought that was amazing. Well, so when I learned that, I was surprised. Um, and so then I went back and kind of reflected on, you know, how did that happen? Then... I re- realized that that was always part of the plan, and and I hope that doesn't sound disingenuous because of the way mm-hmm. I introduced it. But here's the little story that goes with it, and and for me, it had to do with, and I'm sure you talk about this in your class. It had to do with positioning my business to meet my life needs, and my life needs were okay. My son is three years old. Um, he's going to go to college, knock on wood, when he's 18, that's 15 years. Okay, 15 years, that sounds about right. And then I'll be, well, we won't share that, but I knew how old I would be. And we entrepreneurs, we like change. So I knew by that time I'd be ready for, you know, my third act. So the answer is I really did not maybe super consciously, but subconsciously knew that, it would probably be about that amount of time. And so kind of weird, but absolutely true. When I went to get that employee of the year plaque, and I'm a big HR reward and recognized person, Mm -hmm. when I went to buy that plaque after I opened, I picked out one that had 15 spaces on it, and there it hung. And so I had that reminder every year that, okay, you know, I didn't share that. You have a lot of secrets when you own a business, and one of them is, you know, there is an exit plan, but there it was. And, you know, joking aside with the staff because they say, what, was, what are you going to do, Miss Christy, when you run out of spaces? Are you going to retire? And I'd be like, well, we'll see. But I kind of knew, yeah, that would be it. So it helped me keep my eye on um, making sure the business looked really good at that point right. I was ready to sell. Um, well, that's about three ums in a row. <laughs> And okay. so it, it helped me. It was a visual reminder and kind of my little secret. So it I mean, didn't it seem it like, like a it long was, time. It it went fast. Yeah, it went by fast. And it seemed like it was probably, I guess, the right time to sell too, Christy. You know, I mean, the industry, of course, becoming more competitive when you first started. I, I imagine it wasn't as competitive at the time when you started the business. And then when you sold the business, you know, you and I both know that there was, you know, a lot more, I guess you could say, players coming into yep. the industry, probably particularly in your area because it's such a hot area, um, that it just it, it made sense probably to sell at that right time. And, and, and you did very well, you know, selling the business. You know, I, I know financially you, you did great. Um, so I, I guess that was part of the plan too maybe, right? Or it's just the, the competition, you know, looking at the marketing environment, yeah. It was. Actually, Marty, you just kind of connected a couple of dots that I hadn't hadn't connected before. And mm. I think that my, you know, getting back to the risk, because you feel like you took a risk when you started, the drive right. that I had for the timing at that point was the same feeling, knowing, knowledge that I had about the market timing to exit. So 
absolutely right on, brother. It was the same. It was, you know what, the time is now, go. And then it was, the time is now, sell. I knew it was the right time. I got through that 2008 recession, you know, which really not a lot of sweat, thank goodness, because of those Mm -hmm. things I already talked about. But the, the competition was continuing to come. And the business was changing a bit in terms of, more interaction in the classroom and whiteboards and things of that nature, which I, because probably my personal life had changed, my son was older, I just wasn't that um, passionate about that. And when right. you're a quality business owner, you know, we all know, you gotta, you really do have to be all in because people notice. And I knew that that, was, that shift was coming for me. So, Note to self and note to anybody out there listening, don't wait until the shift starts to happen. You really want to be ahead of that, meaning you you want to be super engaged in your business when you sell, not the least little bit burn out. Go out on a high. Right. And now here you are. You're, you're, it seems like it, this is a new chapter of your life, Christy. I mean, it seems like this is really what you were also destined to do. I mean, you know, it might make you blush a bit, but you are very good at what you do. You know, I've, again, I've seen your presentations, you know, and, and, and I teach and, and you do a spectacular job at it. So it seems like this is, you know, a new chapter of your life and, and it's kind of like what I think you were also destined to do as well. Maybe, you know, you could tell, you know, listeners about, you know, what you're currently doing now. You know, I know you're writing, um, you, know, you know, you're an adjunct professor um, at Rollins College, which, which probably it, it sounds to me getting to know you that you, you love it. You know, I can tell that, that this is, you know, yeah. one of your, your, your drives. You know, you're very enthusiastic about sharing your knowledge and teaching at the same time. Would, would, would I be incorrect in saying that? You are correct, and it takes one to yeah. know one. And I give you all the credit, too, for doing what you're doing because I know you've been doing this program for 10 years, and you've yeah. also been teaching at Kaplan for 10 years. Is that right? Yes. That's correct. Actually, this is my 11th year. And, yeah, it seems like I started yesterday as well, you know. Um, And you you do. You say, where does the time go, Christy? It just goes by so fast. But I guess they say, you know, time flies when you're having fun, you know. It does. It does. And still, that's a big thing, Marty, because that's Mm -hmm. not only just a lot of commitment, but in order to do that for that amount of time, you must constantly look for new ways to add to your material and your knowledge base and stay engaged, and that's not easy. It's not for everybody. Uh, it's not for everybody, absolutely, you know. And, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned a lot in this interview, Christy, you know, I don't know if you know it or not, you know, you use the word <laughs> system a lot, you know, and you have this appreciation for systems. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, in the beginning too, I mean, was that one of the – attractions, I guess you could say, of franchising as well, because you, you have this extraordinary appreciation of systems. Um, w- w- was that one of the factors as well, you know, in, in considering franchising? Because there's a lot of different routes you can go in entrepreneurship. You know, you could start your own business on your own. You don't have to go the franchise alternative, you know. Um, but but it seemed like you had that appreciation for systems. Yeah. Am I correct? In yeah. And I do. I do have a strong appreciation for systems that allow you to do the other work that helps you sustain and grow your business. And so I do definitely think that that's one of the things that attracted me to 
franchising. So those other things, and I appreciate you asking me about what it is I do now and those nice things that you said, and I guess I got off track a little bit, but they do give you systems, no question. However, there are so many things outside of the basic operating manual that with your franchisor's blessing and that good relationship you've developed or your track record and so on that are important for you to address that keep it exciting, engaging, creative, um, strategic, all those things so that you as a business owner stay really engaged. And those are the things that also make for a really good entrepreneur. And in my classroom and at Rollins, we talk about the two majors are social entrepreneurship and responsible Mm -hmm. business management. So it's a slightly different take on pure entrepreneurism. So we're talking about doing business, doing good, doing business well, you know, for the society at large and the community and so on. And that is something too that the franchise industry has really embraced in that they want, we want franchisees to embrace some social cause in their community, preferably, you know, that can, you know, do good. Don't just be another business out there. So I talk about that in the classroom a lot. So I love what I do teaching at Rollins. I have a course that is for the evening students, which are primarily professional people that are going back to school. And then the day students, which are traditional arts and sciences students, at this very small liberal arts school in one of the most gorgeous, serene, you know, campus environments you can possibly imagine. So, you know, it's crazy. And I have to say, are we running out of time, Marty? We have about two minutes left. Yeah, but no, keep going, though. This is is really good stuff. Well, when I was a kid in high school, I used to scoop ice cream at a deli, and the Rollins students came in. And, you know, I was a townie, and now here I am on campus teaching, and it's so much fun. But I guess I probably would not be doing myself um, a solid if I didn't get back to what I do now, Marty, is I work for franchisors and get hired by franchisors to help their franchisees be more successful. And that sounds like a big... um, you know, a big nut to crack, but it's not. I'm super strategic. I talk about growing revenue, you know, translation, making money. And I do it with those sort of softer areas that the franchisor doesn't typically get into, especially if they're emerging franchisors or their operation is just not set up to talk about loyalty and being competitive and things that um, they just maybe aren't accustomed to. So because I've, somebody gave me these words and I love them, because I've walked the walk, I mean walked the talk, Mm -hmm. I blew my big moment. I've walked the talk and I, you know, as you said, you know, I'm willing to share the highs and lows of that, you know, in a way hopefully that ring true and motivate, Um, you know, I hope I can make a difference. So I'm new in this phase of my career, so I'm definitely looking for opportunities to do right. that and build workshops depending on, you know, the franchisor's initiatives. But 
I'm all in. I love franchising. I came back to it, if you, um, I guess one could think of it that way, because I realized after I sold that it's such a great opportunity. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 10002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 10002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 10002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat franchise opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat franchise opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Blog Talk Radio. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 11 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs one one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with franchise author and expert, Christy Wilson-Delk, an a business professor at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida, and with over 15 years of franchise ownership, including a very successful franchise exit, Christy Wilson-Delk has a business acumen to inspire franchise owners and help them achieve their greatest potential. Her book, Adventures in Franchise Ownership, outlines her four pillars approach to strengthen, protect, and grow your business and includes advice from over a dozen other top-performing franchisees representing multiple business segments. And we'll talk to Christy about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. So Christy, so maybe you know, we could talk a little bit about what you've been up to since we last talked, which was two years ago, if you can imagine. It was actually the summer 
of 2016. Can you imagine that? And a lot's happened to you. Yes, yes, and probably a lot's happened to a lot of a lot of your listeners as well. Um, <sighs> so when we talked, I was in the middle towards the end of writing this book that we're talking right. about today, Adventures in Franchise Ownership. But yes. I still had a lot of work to do, and I know I was planning a really nice trip um, for December. And one reason why that sticks out is I know I finished it in December because I, I took my son to Africa. So that was, wow. you know, a trip I had been wanting to take for, as you can imagine, years and years and years. Um, but I know I finished it then. So that's, that helps me to put it in context. But So I focused really hard on writing the book. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I, – I was teaching part-time then. Yes, And I you know were. you and I have that in common also. Yes. But I was offered a full-time position again that December. It was kind of a crazy month. You know how sometimes everything just comes together in the same month. Of course. But, um, yeah, when you're open, that's the way it works. Um, so they uh, – Rollins College offered me a full-time position. And, you know, I had to wow. think twice about it, but – Pretty quickly, I thought, wait a minute, this is this is a great opportunity. You love these right. kids, you like learning, and uh, you know it's it's great fun. So I so I took it. I said yes to that. That's great. Um, you know, had to interview, hadn't interviewed for a job in a long, long, long time. <laughs> I uh, but uh, yeah, I know. And so here <laughs> I was in Africa looking for emails and trying to see if I had you know gotten accepted. But anyway, that worked out. And then last. I don't know if this is most important, but probably is. I got engaged since yes, you and I, I left. I saw that on LinkedIn. I was so happy for you. You know, is that the great thing about social media is that I was able to, and I think that's why I feel like it was yesterday that we spoke because I do follow you on LinkedIn and I know you follow me as well. And I think that's what yes. keeps us in touch with, you, with each other, you know, and I was so happy. I said, God, so many wonderful things have happened to you in the last two years. And I, I just think it's so wonderful because I, I just think you're, you're a great person, you know, and uh, you made such Aww. an impression, you know, when I met with you the first time doing the interview, you know, so I was really happy for you. Thank you. Well, I tell you, it's kind of like how, as you know, I like to say, hey, if I can do this, you can do it too. Yes. To my girlfriends, you know, of a certain age group, I say, hey, if I can do it, you can do it too. So, yeah. But I met a wonderful man, and it's a little bit of a funny story. So, you know, I know you're a gentleman, so you probably don't want to ask how we meet, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Um, so, as a French entrepreneur, and I don't know if I'm a serial entrepreneur, but anyway, yeah. I have an Airbnb um, in my garage apartment, and mm-hmm. I'd been doing that for a couple of years, and he checked in to my Airbnb. So, Technically, I guess we met online, and wow. um, yeah, he had come in town for a reunion, and there aren't many hotel accommodations in Winter Park. And he, um, somebody had said, "Hey, Christy Wilson has an has a Airbnb," and we had gone to high school together, but it was a big school. We didn't know each other. We wow. kind of knew of each other, but right. yeah, yeah. So he was that a gentleman, so and. Yeah, you know, kind of just a slow roll, just kind of like you need to do when you're looking at business opportunities, right. you know, right. you do your homework and develop a friendship and all of that. And then he surprised me last December when we went to Tahoe 
and um, you know, asked me to marry him. But just about almost two years. So, wow. I he's the yeah he's the perfect man for me. So, I knew I needed to say yes. And so yeah, so I'm so excited. It's been your twenty life, years your, since I was it, married. It's amazing, Christy. I mean, your life is really. I mean, it's it's something that. You know, I really think they could make it into a movie. You know, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know sometimes when it's your own life, you know, you say, oh, you know, probably not. But, you know, when I was reading the book and I had my wife start reading the book as well, I mean, it, it's really it's it's such an amazing story, you know, from, you know, where you were, you know, in starting the story and just how everything turned out for you. It's just it's just so it's so wonderful. It really is. It's the American dream. Isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, it is. And definitely um, owning your own business and, and getting involved in a franchise that's a really good fit for your lifestyle and having a plan and doing the work that's required, which is a lot of what Adventures in Franchise Ownership is about, um, doing the work that's required, you know, and then having an exit strategy. Um, we talked about that in the last interview with the plaque and the 15 spaces. Yes. You know, you really, you do, you know, it can be out there, but you know, you want to move into that next phase of your life, you know, or or maybe you keep going, you know, everybody's different. But, um, right. you know, for me, it was to move into the next phase, which, you know, I'm thoroughly enjoying now. So, but thank you for saying that. And, and it, you know, and it's not, you know, I've had some success, definitely, but it's not uber, uber, over the top success, like, you know, right. some of the things that, our millennials read about and depressed about thinking, how am I ever right. going to match that? I mean, that's not the goal. The goal is right. to, you know, be independent, financially independent and be happy. So anyway, it's something, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, I, that, you know, I, I always said, you know, when I did my last podcast with you, Christy, I, I said, we're going to have to do another show because there was just like a hundred more questions that I wanted to ask you at the time, you know, and I was wondering, you know, it, it, it seems to me, you know, and, and when I was reading the introduction of the book, of course, you know, you dedicate the book to your son and of course your mom, you know, and I was curious, you know, it, your, was your son the, the influence or the motivation or did it is, is he what actually gave you the courage to go what you went through? Because it was very courageous what you did. Well, thank, thank you. Uh, being, having been in the work environment for mm-hmm. a good number of years, so definitely, you know, it's probably a decade, decade and a half. I knew, I knew intrinsically you know, what the risks were, the ups and downs of that. And then right. also what I was, the, you know, you got to know yourself. And I knew I wasn't a super political animal to manage through everything you had to manage through to climb up the ladder. Um, so I knew I had that independence in me where I wanted to have more control. So right. in as much as I now had a child and I didn't want to travel I wanted to be available. I knew firsthand, you know, what it was like to be a working mom and or parent right. rather. You know, right. there is nothing easy about that, single no. or not single. There is nothing easy about that. And so those things definitely led me to okay, what are my options? Okay, right. I need to have my own business. And then finding a franchise that complemented my lifestyle. And so that right. was early childhood for me. 
but there's so many brands out there now, you know, Marty. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, there's literally something for everybody. Um, so I think that's a really big part of being successful is finding something that complements your lifestyle. So I could pick my son up um, after school, bring him to the school. He hung out with me, played Legos, played Pokemon, all that <laughs> stuff they did. Yeah, in fact, now, in fact, he just got a job working for the Central Florida YMCA in their after-school program because he, you know, realized how much he enjoyed working with kids. So, yeah, right. it was. You know, what I needed was to make good money, have freedom, and have security for my family and then um, be able to have him be involved in it when I needed him to. So, yeah, definitely. It must be interesting for your son too, Christy. I mean, because he was there. I, you know, I guess, you know he was really small at the time too, wasn't he? But I guess he does remember. I mean, he really was there at the beginning. You know, I mean, you tell the wonderful story. You know, you've, you've mentioned it on the podcast and, and the book. But you know, I always remember the hubcap story. You know, and you know, it mm-hmm. just made such an impression. He was there with you at the time, but he was there at the beginning when you know you were just breaking ground. And for him to, I guess, see something at such a young age, I imagine it had. I would imagine it would have been a very positive effect on him, didn't it? Yeah, I think it mostly was, but I do think, you know, depending on the segment of the business, there were times when emotionally it was a little bit painful, like when mom Mm -hmm. brought his, you know, Legos and put them in the big pile of Legos. Mom, but those are my Legos. Yeah, but son, you don't play with them anymore, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but still, well, okay, but, you know. That That's kind of great. thing. Or, yeah, or, you know, he was a biter, and, you know, biting in an early childhood center <laughs> is not a good thing. And right. so trying to, you know, toe that line for the staff so that they wouldn't look the other direction. And then the parents also, well, that's the owner's son. He's not going to be sent home. Well, yeah, right. he is, you know. <laughs> Call my mom, and he gets picked up. So, yeah. I, I know it was mostly very, very positive, um, but I think emotionally there there were some things that he might say were a little bit hard. <laughs> right, right. We'll have to interview him on that one too. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. It's You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know if I've ever told you, Christy, you know, I, I mean, I have always wanted to write a book, you know, and I keep saying, you, you know, it's it's one of my dreams or my unaccomplished dream to write a book. You know, I was curious, you know, what drove you, uh, you know, to, to, to write the book? You know, I, I mean, what point of, of your life did you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to share my story with the world? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Believe me, during the process, a couple of times I asked myself, what was it? But uh, so you keep, I'll say right now, Marty, you keep that on your list because okay. the time will come when it is the right time to do it. And right. I, it, it made a lot of sense for me to do it now, but let me just say, as a professor, I learned a little bit of background as to why it made more sense for me to do it now. So I'm going to start with that. And the first, So that is, during the course of a person's you know, career life, you know, right. there's different stages. You probably talk about this as well. You know, you have that earlier stage, you know, in your 20s when you're, quote, sort of young and carefree and you can mm-hmm. 
kind of pick and choose what you want to do and you're gaining experience and so forth. And then, you know, you get a mortgage or you get married, perhaps you have a child or two. Right. And then it's like necessity. Okay, I got to make some money now. You know, this right. is like, this is life. Well, that's when I bought the franchise was in that necessity stage. There's no more fooling around. I got to get really serious. But then you move into another period and it's sort of a, a give back period or now I want to do something I really love or I want to do something that fulfills me in a way that I wasn't able to fulfill myself. So writing the book for me um, was, in my mind, a, a give back and mm-hmm. also a way to kind of document. I mean, some of it, you know, I'm always pretty transparent. Some of it was mm-hmm. for me. I want to I wanna kind of get this down, you know, how did this happen? But right. really to, um, as a give back. And when I, when I decided to narrow that um, target to the franchise industry, although a lot of people have said it applies to a lot of, types, you know, doesn't necessarily just apply to franchising. But when I decided to do that was when I realized this industry gave me such a, gave me such an amazing opportunity. And there are so many people that went ahead of me, ahead of us, the really true entrepreneurs came up with an idea that put it together in a way that um, they could sell it to others and create opportunities for other people to be owners, to employ others, to have the family style and family life that they need and all that. But there was a a missing piece. There's a missing piece in the industry, and that is Mm -hmm. that part between, yes, this is a great match for you as a franchisee, and you're going to have this training, and I'm going to support you as your franchisor, Here's the manual. Um, you know, let us know what how we can help you, and good luck. Um, right. And so the missing piece is that piece between that honeymoon period and probably seven or eight or maybe even nine years out where you go through a cycle or two of, okay, what now? What do I do now? I'm getting a little bored or I'm getting a little frustrated or Mm -hmm. it's not what I thought it would be. Right. Or down economic cycle or it's not going as great as I hoped it would or, you know, I'm still not sleeping at night. This is not how it's supposed to be. You know, all that stuff that happens between year one and year maybe eight or nine. And so – I wanted to write a book that would help people get through that and and really just renew their motivation and have some true tools and ways and knowledge that, hey, you know, this isn't just me that has this feeling and these are some things that this person did and here's some things that this other person did. You know what, I'm going to try that. Because, Marty, when I had my business, I'd say almost every year I focused on a business book, whether it was a John Maxwell, Great mm-hmm. Leaders Asking Questions, or Peaks and Valleys, or, um, you know, the Moving My Cheese one, or, right. you know, the Energy right. but something that I could apply. And so I think my book could be applied in many different ways for many different franchisees to help them um, just – 
really get to the place that they want to be, whatever they define as success for them. So it's so in, in that way, it's my give back. It's and it was a challenge. You know, when I was reading the book, you know, what I got from it too, Chrissy, was that, you know, I said, yes, okay, yeah, this is a book on franchising. But, you know, I said, you know, there's really several segments, I think, with this particular book. One, I was thinking specifically of women entrepreneurs, of course. Um, uh-huh. It's something I didn't tell you, you know, because I was <laughs> – this is something I'll have to tell you another day. But when I spoke to you two years ago, I after that, I think it was about probably about six months after, I started doing research – on women franchisees. And I found that, you know, there's not, there's, there wasn't a lot of women franchisees. You know, it seemed like it was like more like a, a male dominated type of industry. I don't know if, if you've yeah. ever felt that way. You know, you're a woman, so you know better than I do. But when I was looking at the numbers and I, I was looking at the, the ratio and I said, hmm, I said, something's not right here. And even when it comes to like authors, I mean, there haven't been a lot of books written on franchising from women, I, you're the first I think I've actually interviewed, and I think I must have done maybe about I don't know seven to ten, you know, over the last decade. But you're really the first wow. woman franchise entrepreneur, I guess we can say, that has written a book on the topic. And that's why I said, you know, I said you really have something here, and, and it's not just for franchisees; it's for entrepreneurs as well. So I, I think there's a lot of different audiences for your book. I don't know if if, if you've gotten that, you know, after you completed the book. Interesting. Huh. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't even think about that. Um, it, you know, and similarly, when I wrote the book and then went to a conference to try to figure out, hey, you know, where can I, um, you know, can I insert myself back into the industry, and how right. can I best do that in a helpful way? That's when I really learned that what what I did was unique, and that as a woman, it was even more unique. I, I had I, I I was I had on blinders about gender roles when I was working. Yeah. So that, though, what you just said, I think is probably one reason why I realized I needed to somehow increase the scope of the book because if you hear, yes, this is a book, it's on this, and then you say, oh, the next natural question is, oh, what franchise was it? And then as soon as I say, and I saw it on people's faces, as soon as I say early childhood uh, development center, they would be, oh, like, oh, yeah, that figures. And I that, right. that kind of bugged me, but I got it. You of know, course. I understand. Yeah, kind of a theme. So that's when I realized, okay, to really make this stick, the messaging stick, I want to increase the scope and bring in – many many different segments and so that's when I realized oh boy I am adding six to nine months onto this book writing process do I really want to do this I'm not kidding Marty I had to kind of I had to really I had to really sort that out because that meant what I wanted to do to do it right I wanted to have one franchise segment represented more or less represented by a top brand um, for each chapter. So that's a minimum of 16 franchisors. And so then I had to convince the franchisors, hey, yes, we, we need to help with this project. That really wasn't too hard. I was very pleased that, you know, the industry itself, as you know, is pretty arms open when it comes to helping people. And that, 
really was proven to me again and again and again during this interview process. But so designating each chapter to a franchisor, but more specifically to one of their top performing franchisees, many of whom are women. So I would say about half of the people I interviewed, I could be wrong. I hadn't really counted it up. But close to half of the top performing franchisees, even though numbers-wise they don't represent 50% of franchisees out in the right. you know, U.S., were right. heralded as top performers in their, in their brand. So, I mean, we're talking um, – let me just look at the list here. And it's a nice list. The I mean, there's some very – you know, and some of those franchises, you know, we've had – you know, on the show oh, cool. when I was looking at that long list of contributors, you know, they're pretty, they're you pretty big names. Oh God. You know, it's funny. Like I mean, we've Bright done, Star. this is like 500, you know, we're almost like on 550 shows, you know? So some, now I always yeah, have to go sorry. back. So I, I, I think I joked with you one yeah. time. I used to be able to recite the first 100 shows that we did. And after 101, oh, I just gosh. stopped. <laughs> you know, I yeah. said, well, I have I Bright like Star Care. Uh, okay, Wild Birds Unlimited. Yeah, Bright Star Care, Wild Birds Unlimited. Yeah, they're great. Dream Vacations. Yeah, yeah. World that's the World Travel Corporation. Uh, Sunny's Barbecue. That's kind of more of a regional here in the southeast. Okay. Freddy's Freddy's Frozen Custard. Um, you Break I Fix, which is an incredible story. That young man went to UCF University of Central Florida. Here, this is a wow. perfect entrepreneur story. Started fixing his friend's iPhones out of his dorm room in his apartment and Isn't then franchised it. Amazing. Yeah, Firehouse, um, BurgerFi, European Wax Center, I think a lot of um, yeah, Style Encore, love that. Love Style Encore. Played Against Sports. Um, I think we had them, yes. Yeah, great got Edible Arrangements, yeah. Edible Arrangements, Mako, Golden yes, Corral, Brightway, Insurance. I mean, this again, hopefully your your listeners here, there really is something for everybody. <laughs> Philly, Pretzel Factory, yeah, Pillar to Post, Home Inspectors, you yes, know, it does not have to be food. That's right. That's for sure. I it's think it's true. like it 35% is food, something like that. So. Do you think it would be different for you today, Christy? I mean, I know you go to, you know, you, you sometimes you go to the franchise shows, you know, and, and you speak at a lot of these events. Do you, do you think it would be more overwhelming today? Um, you, you know, it's one of the things we find is that, you know, there's so much out there today. I think when I was doing my research last, I think it was up to, I think it was like 3,500 different systems in the United States. And when wow. I first got into this, I think it was like 1,200, you know, according to, the IFA, and it just seems like there's so much out there today. Um, do, do you think it's overwhelming for an aspiring entrepreneur to, to buy a franchise today from, from everything that you've learned? I would say it certainly could be. However, mm-hmm. that shouldn't stop you. Um, right, of course. I, I, yeah. I know there's a, a kind of a, I don't want to call it a middleman, but a, there are consultants now that help people zero in on. Yes certain brands, and I think that could be really helpful. I know from experience a lot of buyers find their way to a particular brand because they noticed something, they thought it was interesting, 
you know, they personally used it. I mean, I think that's great. You may be, you may need to be willing to relocate, but right. you know, I don't, I don't think that should necessarily be a deal killer. You know, to me, it wouldn't be depending on, you know, my, how young my family was, but also, you know, you hear, I think you have to ask a lot of questions, you know, if the brother-in-law yeah. of the so-and-so has a, hey, do you mind if I give, would he mind talking to me for a few minutes? You know, you just, you really do have to be curious. But then um, I, I love those franchise expos. I mean, I think those are a great way because, number one, you have to, as a franchisor, you have to have some wherewithal to even show up at those because they're not cheap and you have to be organized. You have to be able to staff and, um, you know, compete to get the to get the placement and so forth. So there's a ton of ways you can do your research. So it could at very first blush appear overwhelming, but that just right. means you need to put a little system in place to figure out, okay, how do I want to approach this? I don't know. What mm-hmm. do you, how do you what how do you recommend people go well, about that? It's interesting. You know, I it's it I give the same advice that you give, you know, is I I think brokers serve, you know, a great service. You know, I think that, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, in doing the show over the last, you know, it's almost 12 years that a lot of times people will get into a franchise that they never anticipated going into and they became successful. And a lot of times I think that was attributed to a franchise broker, you know, as they helped them ask the right questions, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I do see a value in the service of the franchise broker. Sometimes I think, you know, they might steer you towards a particular franchise that's in maybe their portfolio because again, they have to get paid too. It's almost like being a, a real estate agent to some extent, you know, mm-hmm. but I think their service mm-hmm. is, is really fantastic. What always impressed me about your story was that, you know, you, you kind of knew which one you wanted right away. You know, you said kids are kids Academy yeah. and, and you, that was it. And that was what always impressed me about the story, you know, about you is, is you just, it was almost like you knew in your gut or your heart, you know, or, or both, you know, but you knew that mm-hmm. that was the one for you, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and you just, you just went forward with it, you know, and I, I was always impressed with that part of the story was how did you know, you know, and it turned out to be a great yeah. thing for you. Um, but well, it is tough. But well, that, I, I can think I, the shows are can great I, too. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I would just add, um, you're making me think about a, another aspect and that is um, the the book development person that I worked with, I mean, obviously it's my story, but I had someone help me arrange the pieces and right. stuff. But she, she cut some things. She said, no, this is not a business book per se. This is not business right. 101. So she cut a part that I had in there that I kind of think applies to your question here. And that is you also need to know your local market. And that's what helped mm. me, Marty. I knew the local yeah. market and I knew Orlando, kids, right. families, growing, blah, blah, blah. And so if you know the if you know the market, that will help guide you to whether it's a good opportunity at that time for that place. So, you know, there's that aspect too, I think. Yeah, your story is is really based on timing too, though. That's always what I got mm-hmm. out of it too. I mean, you were really, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you were at the right place at the right time. And, and what impressed me about your story, Chrissy, was you also knew when to get out, you know. And that's the amazing part mm-hmm. of your story is, I, I in, in doing the show such a long time now, you know, one of the things we don't talk about enough on the show was mm-hmm. exit strategy, you know. And I got that from when I interviewed you. Is you know, you kind of 
you knew or you, you had this strong idea, I think, yeah. that you were going to get out of it. The market started becoming a little bit more competitive, and you knew when to yeah. get out. You knew when to get in and get out. And, and both those, you know, important to answer both those questions or, or be aware of it, isn't it? It really, really is. I mean, you definitely have to be all in when you're in, but you you also really have to have some idea, just like when you're talking to your financial planner or, uh, you know, somebody that is helping you manage your 401k or something like that is, right. okay, I want, you know, if, if I'm buying a building or that kind of thing, I want to be able to put away this much money every year. I want to be able to um, have this much for cash flow. I mean, you truly have to manage your money. It's not just, I'm going to keep going till this burns out. And then you have to know when it's time to shift. or It may be time to expand, buy another one, buy a third one. And now you've got a nice little three-part uh, smoothie um, organization or an edible arrangement. You've got three or four edible arrangements that somebody would be delighted to come in and buy. Right. But it's right. not when you're burnt out. It's not when the you know the supervisors are um, you know speaking kindly to clients. It's when you are maybe not at the top 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 of your game, but when you are still highly engaged. That's when you want out, and that's when you'll get the most. Right dollar for your investment that you can parlay into something else or, you know, the next thing about, you know, what you want to do. And, you know, for me, it was teaching and writing and, um, right. you know, having some time to have a relationship. <laughs> sure. Um, of course. Yeah, it is. And a lot of times it's family businesses, you know, they turn into family businesses, mm-hmm. but right. you no, know, I think that's rare. You know, I, I don't know. I have no yeah. reason to, I have no, nothing to back that up with, but you know, 10, 12, 15 years, look at the lifestyle of your family. When is your husband going to retire? You know, sure. when do you want to downsize your house? Put right. that all in there, you know, and figure Absolutely. it out. So, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. You know, throughout the book, uh, Christy, you know, you talk about the four pillars approach and how that helps you strengthen, protect, and grow your business. Maybe you could uh, talk a little bit about that or explain, you know, what this is and how this approach would work for our listeners. Okay. So when I um, had my business, one, one, and, and those that have businesses who are listening, you know, one of the, the most challenging things is to not get overwhelmed by right. the demands. And then in all the different, you know, I guess I'll say buckets again. I sound like a financial mm-hmm. planner now, don't I? You know, yeah. all the different bu- buckets that you have to attend to, right. you know, marketing, um, the yeah. money, um, the leadership or the management, um, what am I going to do next year, that sort of thing. So I learned pretty early on that, and we all know our best styles, you know, maybe you're better, you're a better creator in the morning or you like to do your numbers at night, you know, you, you know, you know your best styles. I knew that for me to have the best energy, for my business, the best mm-hmm. attitude, to be my best self, that I, I like to have processes in place. And I don't mean I do this Monday morning at 11 a.m. I just mean the first week of the month, this is what I focus on. The second week of the month, right. this is what I focus on. Something like that. Right. Um, so, yeah. And so 
what I realized as I was putting together different programs to continue to grow the business, different programs to be competitive, because as you said, competition was getting strong, different ways that I could lead, how could I be a good leader when I'm just one person, I can't lead everybody every year in five different directions, you know, who do I want to lead this year, and then what is the framework for all this? So, you know, how, how can I put this in a framework that helps me? And so I read that, I read that Peaks and Valleys book, and mm-hmm. I reference it in I reference it in the um, book as well. Right. And it really showed me that some of the frustrating parts that I had felt the first two or three years, those were going to happen again because there are peaks and there are valleys. And right. keeping the terrain smooth is the goal. Sure. Not super high. And certainly not super low, but keeping that terrain smooth. So then to me that meant, okay, for loyalty, for example, which is pillar one, that mm-hmm. means I want to do something for my community every three months. I want to do something for my staff. I want to do something for my clients, my customers, my little customers and my adults that write the check. And nice. I want to somehow connect with my franchisor. I want to build loyalty there. So the loyalty pillar has those four different components. And if I build those year after year, layer by layer, not some big far-out goal, you know, that is going to make me feel overwhelmed and my staff goes, she wants what? But right. what can we do? what can we do this quarter to appreciate our clients? Okay, great, check. And next quarter we'll do this. Okay, check. So there's four things, and that's going to build loyalty with our clients. And then those other three segments also. So now move into, say, um, strategic leadership. Um, so now I've got this loyalty thing going, but where where are we going? Where, where am I leading right. this loyalty towards? Okay, well, we want to grow our business um, to stay – we want to be the number one sought-after uh, early childhood center in the growing Waterford Lakes community. Okay, what does that look like? Well, that means, you know, we need to do a certain amount of marketing. Okay, so that's going to require some leadership on my part and then to be delegated. That means we're going to have to be price competitive. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to make sure that we're price competitive and that someone's in charge of that. And then maybe we need, I think I have this in the book, maybe we need some new signage. We need something that has, right. that says, and that's something a lot of people can relate to. We, we need new signage. Okay, Mr. Owner, Ms. Owner, you know, that's yours. That's yours right. to lead. So you now know that this year or the first half of this year, you're going to unveil this new sign. Okay, great, and it's going to look beautiful. And maybe you're also going to, I don't want to use a a cliche example, so I'm trying to think of something that's not, um, you know, clearly a lot of people um, are focused on social media, so Mm -hmm. I don't want to even use that. But maybe it's your lobby needs a little refresh. You know, we're going to focus on how we look to the public. First impressions. Okay, so that's a good one. So this year, as the owner, I'm going to strategically lead us to create a better first impression 
than we did because our goal is to stay number one or become number one. And first impressions are really important. We can sure. get people in the door, but we're not looking like we're number one. So you can delegate some of that, but your job as a strategic leader is to say, focused on that, not get dissuaded, not get distracted, but to do that. And that shows your clients, your staff, um, your franchisor, obviously you have to do that with their um, blessing, that, right. you know, you're serious about your business because you spent some money. Um, so that would be an example of strategic leadership, but the, but the, the shorter answer is I say, who do you need to lead this year? Who and right. where? So it's more about short-term focus than this fancy-schmancy, long-term, you know, these are the things good leaders say and all that stuff. It's like keeping your focus on where do we need to go this year. And then long-term, sure, you're going to do long-term planning, but strategic leadership is about that. And in the book, I reference um, Truett Kathy. Um, the book is How Did You Do It, Truett, um, you know, the, co- the founder of Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And right. he also believed in having a very strategic short-term focus. And surprising, a surprising number of pretty strong leaders lead that way. So that's kind of the core of strategic leadership, which is one of the pillars. So, the idea behind the pillars is that you as the owner are attending to loyalty in your business, leadership in your business, the money metrics in your business. That's pillar number three. Right. And method management, pillar number four in your in your business. And method management is simply the process that you use to continually address these different important aspects of your business so that you keep growing, you keep changing. As your business changes, as the environment changes, as the players change, as you change, as your managers change, right. as the local market changes, you are light enough on your feet because you're meeting monthly, you're planning quarterly, you're planning annually. What are we going to do with our business this year? And most of the time, you're layering onto these pillars. But sometimes you're going to say, no, we're not going to do that this year because we did it and it worked okay, but we want to do something fresh. So that worked. We're going to put it in the vault, and now we're going to do this to build loyalty or to focus on our numbers, to get our employees to focus on the revenue on a weekly basis. So it sounds like a lot, but I lay it out in a way that is very comprehensive and is, um, but broken into chunks. And I have exercises in the right. book, and I use examples from other franchisees, top performing franchisees that they hadn't right. read the book. But when I asked them, how tell me how you address communication, for example, and the gentleman Jeff O'Mara from Anytime Fitness. One of the top performers, he owns, he's a multi-club owner mm-hmm. in Indiana, Ohio, and Tennessee. And, um, you know, and he he said right here in the chapters, chapter 8, communication, the ultimate differentiator. 
He said right here, I've turned to videos for personal training and membership training. We had a manual, but the videos eliminated that, and the motivation and care required to be successful come through much better now. I still talk to everyone on the floor, and everyone has my cell phone number, but anybody can shoot me a text. You know, that's an old layer. You can talk to me directly, and we'll role play together on the phone if their metric is off. So he's saying, I started using videos, and he got the blessing of his franchisee, franchisor, but that was a huge leadership undertaking, but it touched so many different parts of his business. And so, in summary, what really happens, and this is the super, super cool thing about looking at your business this way, is that when you work on one pillar, it affects the other things in a positive way. So they all work together to grow your business, but for targeting and processing and figuring out, okay, how are we going to increase our revenue 10%, the pillars make it very easy to put a program in place and then revisit that program on a monthly or quarterly basis. So it's a methodology, um, but it's it can be adapted in so many different ways. It sounds like you learned from the book too, Christy. You know, I mean, the four pillars is is your creation. You know, from everything that you learned. But it sounds to me like you know when you were writing the book, you know, in in speaking to a lot of these successful franchisees, that you probably learned some interesting things yourself, didn't you? I did. I did. I am always Great. learning, Marty. Always, and, I did. And I that's what I love myself. about you. Is I learned about you're others. You're always learning. You know, you're always, as you said, you're always like reading, you know, business books. You know, you're always trying to get, you know, ideas. One of the things I learned from you, you know, in, in reading the <laughs> book and you know speaking to you over the years, that it's something I, I never thought of. You know, is, is you have this emphasis. You, you always mention like think big, but to also think small. You know, and I remember you telling a story one time about Ooh. with your business, um, you know, where you kind of you, were, you kept saying no to people that wanted to send their kids part time, you know, to the academy, yeah. you know, and I think that was bothering you. And I remember you used a great example once that I always remembered. I think it was uh, massage. I think it was massage envy where you, you know, get massage and they started adding facials, you know, and it's like I never thought yeah. about that because I'm always I was, I've always been taught business schools. Think big, think big, think big. But you said at one time you said think small. And I said, there's nothing wrong with thinking small. You know, it, it, it's, it's really very yeah. effective, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Adding services. Um, yeah, right. good for you. That was a great that was a great takeaway from the book. Yeah, it's, yes. it's true, and we can get so lost and overwhelmed by thinking big. And sometimes, honestly, it it kind of drives our staff a little bit crazy. They like a little <laughs> right. more bite size. Sure, a little more bite size, but it adds up for sure. Yeah, that's something. How did you decide, Christy? You know, I mean, you know, because you've had so many experiences. As a franchisee, I mean, how did you know what stories or adventures to include in the book? I mean, was that part of your, you know, working with, like, I guess the editor as well? You know, one of the things I I was, when I'm writing these scholarly journal articles, it's always tough when someone comes back, Mm -hmm. you you know, you write a whole page or paragraph, you've done tons of research, and they say, you can't use that. (laughs) You know, you say, why not? I worked on it for three weeks but how did you know yeah that paragraph took me four hours 
exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I read Hemingway, I think it was not, maybe it was last summer. Yeah. And in in the notes, uh, they have all these cool manuscripts at the JFK Library. But in the notes, he talks about this paragraph took me like three weeks to write. And I thought, oh, my God, I know that feeling. Not three weeks, but, yeah. Um, so it was hard. I, I will say right. if anybody, and for you too, anybody that thinks, oh, yeah, I, I want to write a book someday, you know what, you need to have two or three journals, just one in your car, one everywhere. And when you think <laughs> of something that you don't want right. to forget, just write it, write it down and then don't lose right. the journal and then you'll go back. So I had to I had to transcribe or you know make some footnotes on many 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 different stories and I just had post-its all over my dining room and wow. so breaking down it was very much with the help of the book development person but breaking it down so what I did was I took the stories and I kind of lined them up almost like a storyboard to see right. wow okay this is where a lot of this fits this is where a lot of that fits. So I could see where, okay, this is a, you know, this is a topic here. Um, and then if it, if, if I didn't need the story, then I just had to pick one because I tried to add something for every chapter. If it wasn't my story, then something from somebody else. Um, but there's, there's a bunch I didn't put in there. But I think the real head turners for me, the ones that made me go, oh, man, I don't want to go through that again, or wow, that made me view my business and myself differently. I think most of them are in there. Um, You know, there's one about how I, how, you know, I have a story about knowing your money metrics. One of the reasons why you want to know your money metrics is Mm. because people will steal from you. They absolutely will steal from you. You know, and I almost don't even care what kind of business you're in. So I put that story in there. I mean, right. you know, I had $40,000 stolen from me over two years. And I I have that little side note in there. I One of my Airbnb clients was telling me about um, a friend of his acquaintance, really, that owned a, um, a large hamburger franchise. And he had not gone to the school yet, the training yet. He was putting it right. off. And I think he was in the finance industry, CPA. And then he kept trying to figure out why he wasn't making the money he was supposed to be making. Well, guess what? The GM had gone to school, and the GM knew that the owner hadn't and knew how to steal from him. You know, so you know, so I would include that because I thought I think you know what I really want people to get that message. You know, it's not just about making money; it's also about keeping the money you make. So if I thought it needed to be in, I did. And I loved that the franchisees also contributed stories because they right. have some good ones too. But um, And then I put, you know, like you you said, some personal stuff in there that my own mother said to my fiancé, wow, I learned a lot about my daughter reading this book. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. There's That's definitely great. something cathartic about that. But also mostly so that people would relate to going through some tough things because I think most people do. And the last thing you want to think is, oh, wow, she didn't go through all this. Um, how could she possibly – I don't want this to be that. I want this to be, you know what, I really do want to read right. this because it sounds like she's pretty honest. So, 
you you know what I you know what I went through. I I put it all in there pretty much. Of course. And that's what's great yeah. about the book. And that's why I said, you know, they can make it into a movie. And, and you know, one of the things I, I really appreciate, you know, when you talk about the metrics, Christy, is, you know, you mentioned that, you know, that's how you know if there's a problem, right? I mean, if, you know, from your experience, yeah. if the numbers are off, you say, okay, we have a problem here. Now we have to figure out what is the problem, you know? Is someone stealing? Yeah. Is it something else, you know? And, and, and that's why the metrics are keeping score is, is, is so important. And I imagine you, you really emphasize that one to your, your business students, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. And there's a lot of exercises, pretty simple exercises, but really important exercises, you know, right. so you might not be caught off. And, the, and, and, and you know, and some of your franchisees that are listening might go, yeah, my franchisor doesn't have the metrics for me. Well, they should. And if they don't, right. you know, ask them and tell them why you're asking. They need to, they need to, they, maybe they need to bring their game up too. You know, we need to update this sure. every year. So, yeah, but it is. It's super important. I don't want to use a cliche, but you just definitely don't know where you need to go. If you right. don't know your numbers, you know, so. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What's the best way, Christy, you know, that our listeners can get hold of the book, Adventures in Franchise Ownership? I mean, is, is any, I know it's on Amazon, of course, right? But, I mean, there's a lot of different places yep. you can get it. And there's even some place where you could, like, read, was it the first chapter or something like that? Um, yeah. In fact, I'm going to look it up that. right now, make sure it's still on there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So on Amazon, um, I know it was on the Kindle version, so let me put it in here. But on Amazon, you can download the introduction and review the first chapter free. Um, Yeah, and I think I had to check the box to allow people to do that. You know, no big deal, you know. As you know, I'm like, hey, whatever it takes, you know, to help you, you know, get your hands on this book. But on my website, too, which is christywilsondelk.com. I okay. believe I still have intro in Chapter 1. If not, you know what, I'm going to shoot an email right now um, to the person that manages it and say, I want to put this back up. But Amazon, Target.com, and BarnesandNoble.com, the wow. e-copy is there. I think it's eight ninety five, something like that. That's and then great. the softback copy is going to be nineteen ninety five. But there will be some specials here and there. Um, as you said, I, I, I'm always learning. Wow. Publishing a book. Woo. I've learned a lot. It's very interesting. <laughs> the publishing business is very interesting. Um, it's not imagine. for the faint of heart for sure, but it's one of those things I too believe, you know, you need to work with the professionals. You know, I worked with a publisher. Right. I worked with a, a professional to help me get the right publisher, you know, all that stuff. So, what was it with like that for you, in Christy, mind, when, that makes... you, when you? I was gonna say, what was it like for you when you first saw the first copy of the book? You know, when it was sent to you. I mean, what was that feeling like for you? Mm, it was so cool. I imagine. I was so happy. I was so 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 happy. You know, and and we went through maybe three iterations for the cover because, you know, I just wanted it to have energy and look inviting and kind of have those sort of good colors in there um and so when i saw it i thought oh my gosh we we got it right um right so and it's got the no, color I, on I, there you right it's it's it is, yeah. it's very clever you can see a lot of thought went into it you know and it, it is it's just yeah. fantastic and i'm holding it right now and i'm really I'm very proud to have 
a copy of your book, and you actually signed it for me. So I think it's worth even more yes, money now. Yes, I that. did. <laughs> Marty, you, are, you, you and I have a connection, man, and we are not going to yes, ever lose that because, you know, no, we're, I, I we're, we're in the front that, you know, line, but, you know, it's, yes. it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, thanks, Chrissy. You know, it's, it's my pleasure. You know, I always set the interviews for 25 minutes, but you, I could, I could actually speak to for two hours, you know. <laughs> I, I know you're busy yourself, you know, doing a lot of these interviews, and I really appreciate you, you know, coming on, you know, our podcast. I think it's one of the Franchise interviews. Franchise interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.